So I'm excited about two things this week. One is the book that we're reading and discuss, we read and are discussing The Last Bookstore with Brooke. Her friend Colette, or her friend, her writing partner and friend, wasn't able to make it today. But we got Brooke, and she talks about this book. And I loved this book. It was a young adult, Goonies meets Stand By Me meets Hunger Games, kind of great adventure, um, um, teamwork, really great book. I really loved it. But it is for kids like 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there, maybe 9, 10 a um, little bit of scary stuff, a couple monsters, but nothing too bad. But I was so glad that my friend, Brooke, who I've known for a long time, for probably 20 years, wrote a book. I was so excited. And then I called her and was like, can we do that as a book club? And then as soon as I hung up, I was like, what if the book is bad? That's really a bad call. Oh, well, I've already asked her. Let's read the book. And if the book's bad, then I just don't have to record an episode. I'll just put her off or something. But I ended up really liking it. I really, really liked it. I liked the way she told the story. I liked the characters. I liked the pacing of it. I liked, I liked everything. Obviously, I'm not 11. So it's not something I would usually read, but I loved it. So I encourage you, if you have kids and the young adult, young reader um, demographic, to, to seek it out. You can go to my website at wifeotp.com and look on the book club tab, and there's a link to Amazon on that tab. So you can just click the link and buy her book. You can also just go to Amazon and search by her last name, which is Brooke Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y, or you can search the last bookstore was really fun read. So highly recommend it. And I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. Second thing I'm excited about are my new house shoes. So Free Waters made house shoes named the machine and the mechanic. I'm the mechanic. And if you can see inside, there's me juggling all that I juggle. So in all seriousness, I had last year's version of these that I got for Christmas as a gift. They didn't give them to me that I just got them as a gift. And here's what I love about these shoes. They're really warm. They have an arch support and they have a sole. Clearly Bert's on this sole. But last year's sole was very similar, but not the same. This has a tread on it. Last year's didn't have a tread. So I can walk the dogs in it. I can take out the garbage. I can, I can, you know, go get something out of my car. I obviously don't live where there's snow. So for me, I don't need it to be waterproof or anything. But they're just, they're my favorite slippers. So we told them when we were talking about the Dylan, Bert was like, my wife lives in these house shoes. And they were like, well, why don't we do a machine and a mechanic version since I'm the mechanic of the house shoes? So birds are gray here and gray here, like a quilted material, I think. And then there's an image of him on the inside. You can go to freewaters.com and look up the machine or the mechanic. And they are available now at freewaters.com. So if you like them, it's a great gift for Christmas. Again, they're not a sponsor. They're just something I loved and they made these cool shoes for us. So I was super excited about that. So anyway, freewaters.com. I'll put a link on my website too. So you can go straight there and buy a machine or a mechanic for you or your significant other. Anyway, thank you for showing up every week. 
Thank you for all the kind comments people send me. I am so grateful. It makes my day. I read every single one of them. I've gotten so busy with Bert's emails that I don't always have time to respond to every single one of them, but I try to at least say thank you. Um, Thank you for emailing me. Um, I love hearing what people think and what they have to say and what they've learned while I'm learning on this podcast. And um, yeah, just continue to watch and listen and share. If you know somebody who you think could use any information in any of these podcasts, share it. I love that. So, Brooke, Kirsten, Kathy, and I talk about The Last Bookstore. I hope you enjoy. So glad to see you. Hi. I'm so glad to see you. How are you? I'm good. How are um, you? Austin, I already stalked you because I've been watching <laughs> some um, Wife of the Party. So you guys are adorable. I mean, uh-huh. I love Thank it. You. I've I've lost work and time with my children because of the podcast. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> you look exactly the same. You have not changed one second since I'm, last I've gotten a lot taller. I've gotten a lot taller. <laughs> you can't tell, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a giant growth spurt. I'm like, I'm runway height right now. Just so you know. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time I saw you? Oh, 100 years ago. It must have, it, maybe, no. Uh, it was some competition. There was some like singing competition or something. Singing Remember? Com- no. Yes, Max was at a singing competition at some valley college or some college out in the middle of nowhere, and you guys randomly were at this school. I have no memory of this at all. The last time I remember seeing you was in your backyard at Max's birthday party. No, I swear. We saw each other later. Um, you sure. were, maybe it was Bert with the girls. Um, yeah, it was at some random college in a parking lot. I know. How weird. I know. It was that that it was that weird and that random. And I've also seen you guys um a hundred years ago when I was training someone in your neighborhood. I saw I rem- that's right. Yes. I saw that. But that mm-hmm. doesn't count. That's where I saw you and I went, Oh my god, hi. No, exactly. We were it was a drive-by. It was yeah. a total random drive-by thing. Okay, here comes one of my ladies, Catherine. Kathy. Mm-hmm. Kathy, Kathy. Now, is Bert still shooting the show or is that done? Is he going to do another season the ca- of The Cabin? Hey, Kathy. Yeah. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> I don't think she can hear. No, the, they just shot the one season. They weren't really sure how it would be received because uh-huh. obviously one or two things in there is a bit dicey. 
So they didn't even do any press for it. They did no press. The only press they did was Bert's social media. Literally, that's it. And a little bit of Netflix on Instagram press, but no like traditional press because they were really worried. They just weren't sure how people would take it. So now that it's like not to brag, but it's number one on Netflix. Okay, right? It's like totally addictive because Doug and I kept being like, because it was late. Like we needed the adult and shit. Like we needed to be in bed. We we're like, okay, just one more, just one more. And then we were like <laughs> through the sea and then we were through the whole thing. Like, right? It's it's great. I mean, we Aww. laughed super hard. Thank My you. Parts were you though. He would call you. Like, look, look. <laughs> ah, I don't know about that. I don't know. It's hard to make that your favorite part. I could say it was a valuable part. It was. It was just. It was the nostalgia. That you and the girls are my favorite parts. How big are our kids, Brooke? Right. Unbelievable. Like Max is in class right now, where I would have him come out. He's a giant. He's taller than Doug. It's banana. Scout is taller than me. Yeah. Okay. Kathy, can you hear us? I can now. Sorry. Yes, okay. I'm here. Hello. And Kirsten, yep. this is Brooke. Hi, you guys. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Kathy, can you tilt your um, laptop down? Yeah, there you go. Better? Yeah. I'll do we want to see your boobs. <laughs> I don't have any. Sorry. Show us your boobs. sister. Show me what you got. Show me what you it's got. Tuesday. I think that's a different <laughs> podcast. That may be Bert's <laughs> podcast. Okay. So let me explain Brooke to you. Okay. I woke up this Listen. morning and the first thing I thought of was Brooke because she's coming on today. I was in an acting class with a fellow named Arthur Mendoza, who's an amazing human being. And Brooke was in this acting class. And she was the most talented person in that class by 1,000%. And I would watch her and go, she's just the most amazing actress. I mean, like the most best actor, actress, best all around. And then we got assigned to do a scene together. And I was like, she might be one of the best actual human beings on the planet. I just fell in love with Brooke. And I've, uh, you're all, one of those people I always go, why don't I ever see her? Why don't we ever hang out? I don't understand. But then, in, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug was in acting class with you before I knew you. And then Doug was not in acting class when I was there because I was never in class with Doug. And then he came back. Is that right? I think there was a weird, like, turnover. Like, we were... We were supposed to do a scene together, like my first scene, honestly, the the Beirut thing with Hector. And well, yeah, it was supposed to be Doug. And they and then Arthur bumped Doug up to the advanced scene study. And I did that scene. And then I think maybe he was in advance when we were still like maybe. And then he did something else. But there was a weird shift where he wasn't in class with us. And then. We left for a while. We both left, and then we both came back mm-hmm. for a while. It was it was a really weird thing. But yeah, y'all, I met my husband in an acting class. How weird and, and random. He's such a great guy. Such a he like is he great, is. I got the, the guy. one remaining good guy in acting class. <laughs> <laughs> they are few and far between. <laughs> it was like a, such a bad pool to call from. Like really, why, why? But it was uh, like the two. The two most awesome, real, regular, down-to-earth, oh extremely God. artistic people came together and got married. And I remember going to your house 
the first time and going, she owns a house. How does that work? Like, how are you an actor and you own a house? Oh, I forest gumped right into that, y'all. I did not. I have no business owning that. Like, I got a little chunk of change from a script, and I was. It was so. I was such an idiot. I was like, it was like thirty grand or something. Now it's like I'm gonna live on this for four years. Like, I had no job, no anything. I was had no business owning a house, and the boyfriend before Doug. Bless his heart. This is the last thing he gave me was he said, buy a house. When I got that money, he's like, why don't you buy a house? I was like, I'm going to live for four years. Like just so stupid. And, and early thirties. Um, and, uh, I did it. And then I was like, Oh fuck, I got to pay a mortgage. Can I, I'm such a potty mouth. I'm sorry. No, please. I, I realized that, uh, I had to pay a mortgage. And so I had like Monica, I had like 17, every time someone broke up with someone, they would live with me because I couldn't pay the mortgage. So it was like the recovery house for breakups. Like Derek lived with me and Monica lived with me. Like I had 8 million roommates until I got a respectable job. All right. And then got a husband. And then this, uh, I came back later and you and Doug had remodeled your house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they remodeled a house? This is, I, I mean, they own a house and they remodel. This is insane. How do people live like this? Oh my <laughs> so, God. Well, that was, you're like my first adult couple that was in the oh acting God. world. If you actually knew what was, what was the reality of like we, uh, we remodel and he had to be the general. Now, when we first got together, the toilet broke on this house one time. And, and he said, I had a nine to five at that point for health insurance. And he said, I'll fix it. You go to work. And he was such an actor, had no business doing anything handy. And I came home like six hours later and the pieces of the toilet started like out by the front door. And I just followed the trail of plumbing accessories into the bathroom. And he's in there and he's red faced and he's sweating. He's got his shirt off. There's like wet towels everywhere. He goes, I've almost got it. And it was literally like he had to change like the ball cock in the tank that any and he had ripped apart this. So cut to thank God he's obstinate because he taught himself like everything else. And when it came time to remodel the house because it was literally like this tiny little 1,250 square foot house on a giant lot in Burbank. So when I got pregnant, we're like, hey, we're not stressed out enough. Let's remodel. Right. <laughs> he, had to, he had to be the general because we couldn't afford it otherwise. So right. he taught himself everything. And now, God bless him, like he's an actor. But he literally is rebuilding things for everybody in like a 20 square mile radius. Like that's how he's, we're paycheck to paycheck with him. And I'm like teaching boot camp. So I'm a writer who teaches boot camp and he's an actor director who does handyman and construction. Thank God that we're adaptable because otherwise we'd be out on the street. But I'm glad you said that because I think, well, first of all, I think I way fast forwarded. I didn't actually introduce you. This is Kathy and Kirsten. <laughs> Sorry. I got I'm so excited to see you, Brooke. I haven't seen you in so long. I literally woke up this morning going, Brooke, I'm going to talk to Brooke today. Oh, I'm babble. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so, sorry. No, it was my fault. I'm the one that put us on the path of Brooke. But, um, Kathy and Kirsten and I are good friends from the neighborhood. We have kids in the same age group. And we run a Girl Scout troop together and we're friends besides that. 
and we do a book club in this uh, podcast. Like I try to hit once a month. It doesn't always work, but um, that's why Kirsten's also an actress. Um, uh, was. Was. I, said, Retired. Well, I did say it very articulately. I said, uh, was if you so desired. And then Kathy used to be a social worker and both of them are now moms. Kirsten has some, a lot of, a lot of jobs, don't you? You have like <laughs> editing job and the, oh, maybe that's your only job now. Is that your only job now? That's my only job now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, d- I did used to have a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. When we first yeah. met, you were like bookkeeping or something for a therapist. And then, is that yeah. right? I was doing billing for a therapist. Yes. And yeah. I think I had something else going on too. I don't even remember what. <laughs> so I wonder if this is the only town where everybody has a side hustle. You got to, because so many people, like any creatives, you got to mm-hmm. have like, that's a, like both my kids are like into the creative shit. And we're like, okay, good. Get a, get a real gig, get a grown up job. Like we tell Max who wants to act. We're like, okay, shoot your own shit. Learn how to edit, learn how to shoot, learn how to like all the, like union jobs that might yeah. carry him while he's trying to act. Oh God, help us. We knew that was going to <laughs> There's just no way to avoid it. Uh, is Scout interested in that at all? Yes and no. She doesn't really want to admit it because she's a little bit like, oh, that's Max's gig. Like Max is our music and actor and she's our artist and baker. And like, ain't nobody wants to be a fucking accountant or a lawyer. Right. Just like all these ethereal um but god bless them but we like they end up getting into it anyway because we keep putting them in movies because we keep doing our own stuff because no one else will (laughs) Uh but you know what to be honest with you that's what Bert Kreischer does Mm -hmm. he shoots all his own stuff he has for years I mean obviously something like the cabin we did not shoot or have anything to do with that but until, until that time so much of what he did or we did he did himself. I mean, all of his social media stuff. I'm I'm the cinematographer, right? <laughs> and, the guy and the lighting director, and the costume, and the wardrobe, and the makeup. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's a lesson for people. You really make your own way in the world. You know, you can't wait for anybody to give it to you because it's not going to happen. One hundred percent. Even 100%. when Bert was, you know, working for five hundred bucks a weekend getting on any stage he could get on just to perform and hone his craft. Um, he did that. He had to hustle mm-hmm. and he shout at the door and bring people in the club that would pay so that he could get five minutes at the end of the night. And it's really, he's lucky. He's had a sugar mama named Leanne <laughs> <laughs> who worked a day job <laughs> so he could do that hustle. <laughs> that boy ain't working a day job. He, <laughs> He ain't no brook. He ain't no brook. I mean, he's, no he's, no he's not. He's not acceptable for nine to five. Nope, not acceptable. The toilet wouldn't have even been touched when I got home. He would have gone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about toilet. I don't do toilet. <laughs> yeah, but Leanne would have handled that toilet. We all yeah. need a Leanne, <laughs> right? Everyone needs a Leanne. Yeah, fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, right? Um, oh, speak of the devil. He just tried to FaceTime me and kick me off my Zoom. Here we go. Um, he doesn't realize I'm in a podcast. You know why? Because he doesn't read our calendar. 
<laughs> I have the same one. You I have the same know? one. Yeah. Also, my best friend, uh, one of my best friends of almost 30 years now, she and I've been teaching the same boot camp in Burbank for, I'd say, 10 years. No, eight years. Same boot camp, 9.30 to 10.30 a.m., four days a week. Inevitably, she will call me at 9.35 once a week during boot camp. (laughs) Like 30 years, we've been friends. I've been doing the same thing for eight years at 9.35. Yeah. I guess people too, don't they? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. So, um, Brooke, I knew that you looked familiar to me, but I think our kids went to the same gymnastics place with Mr. Alex. Um, yeah, uh, 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 fun and fit. Yeah, you look really familiar to me. And then when you said boot camp, I was like, oh, yes. yes oh, I'm the I know boot where camp I know lady. from. Uh, um, uh, did you come to boot camp or you just knew because I had the placards all over and I was no. the boot camp lady for... Yeah, I just knew because you were dressed for it and I think I heard you talking to Alex about it. Um, Can I tell you something about Alex? It's hilarious. Yeah. So, Doug, my husband is kind of cute, but this is this happens everywhere. So, I'm momming so hard all day, every day. Like you guys know, like I'm at all the things. I show up at PTA, even though I don't want to. Like I, I get the bulletins, I do the punches, I volunteer, blah, blah, blah. I take her to gymnastics. I take her to gymnastics. I take her to gymnastics. Doug <laughs> takes her one time and Alex goes, oh, hi. He goes, yeah, you're here all the time. I see you take your daughter all the time. One time, <laughs> one time. Uh-huh. And, and me, he's like, are you scouts mom? I was there like for two years. And he, every time he's like, are you scouts mom? Doug shows up one time. Same thing at school. He shows up one time for reading story time. And everybody's like, Doug. I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't happen to me ever. (laughs) (laughs) Not ever. ever. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Alex forgot me. Um, That's amazing. Wait, who is your kid? Um, Vivian has been going for ages. She's 12. So I don't know if we were ever in this, if our kids were in the same class or if I just saw you, you know, there's, they always have like a million different classes going on at the same time. Right. Right. Oh, wow. Small world. Fun and fit and Alex. Yeah. Crazy. Is that Max? Yeah. Max. Oh my God. He's huge. I know. Look, lean down. Hi, Max. You're saying hi to Leanne, who I've known before you were even an idea. Hi, you don't remember me. I saw you when you were really small. Wow. Yeah, he's, you're a baby. You look exactly the same, just longer. Oh, my God. He's so long. <laughs> he's, so, he's like a good two feet taller than me. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. well, let's talk about this book. So what? when did you start writing? Like this kind of writing. I know you've been writing screenplays and, and acting um, stuff. Funny word forever, but books. But you should ask um, because it was this all came about because of Max. So, um, in keeping in the spirit of, well, if nobody's going to hire me, I'm going to do my own stuff. Um, uh, And we were doing that back at Arthur's. Like, we were putting up our own plays and we were, um, and I was writing screenplays. I mean, that's what I went to college for. And that was always. That was always my thing because that was the one thing I could do when no one was like, you can't do this. Like I could, you could do it independently. Um, so, uh, 
I I've had little random successes here and there, but never any agent, never any like flow, never any, like it's always been on my own. And at one point Max came to me and he was like 10, I think 10 or 11. And he said, listen, my kids like love scary stuff. And of course he's going to print out like 700 pages right now, right next to me because (laughs) nothing I do is actual is actual work or important. So that's going to happen right now while I'm telling this story. Um, oh my God. Hi, Bert. Hey guys. How's everyone doing? Why are you on my podcast? <laughs> I know. I, I, I hate to interrupt. I wanted to test my Wi-Fi speed to see if I could do Conan. I'm about to do Conan and I just wanted to make sure my framing looked good. So I thought, you know, what would be great is just interrupt Leanne's podcast have Halston call on, give me the thumbs up and say, Bert, excuse me. <laughs> now, what you don't know is that he's texting me going, I need to Zoom with you. i got to test my Wi-Fi. And I'm going, I'm on a podcast. I can't Zoom. Ask someone else. He's like, hey, but bro. I need to test my Zoom. But I need, but I need. And I'm like, but I don't give a shit. I'm in a podcast. And he totally shanghaied my podcast. <laughs> Again, Halston, I'm not even here. Yep. You look good, huh? This is a good look. Hey, Brooke, I haven't seen you in forever, bro. I know. I know. We were just discussing this. Yes. And I we love the cabin. Doug and I love the oh, cabin. We were telling Leanne, we were like, oh, look, it's a birth thing. And it was like 11 at night or something. We had to both be up for whatever. And we started with the first one and ended up maybe binging the whole thing that night. We're like, oh, just one more. Oh, just one more. Like, we're totally hooked. Hilarious. Oh, thank you. Well, look, I just came in to plug my show, test my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Liam, I'll see you tonight. All right. Bye. Bye. Right, bye. <laughs> Excellent. He cannot help himself. He can't help himself. He does that all the time in person. Um, he's, well, he's wearing clothes. I mean, yeah. he's fully clothed this time. So. Because he's about to talk to Conan, who probably would have a heart attack if he showed up. With Please stop on, the but... printing. Can you stop the printing? <laughs> what? <laughs> you need it for math right now? Do you need it in the next half hour? Because I'm so angry. Can you stop it? <laughs> I don't hear the printing. Do you guys hear the printing? Right now. Can you make it not go again? No, don't put that paper in. <laughs> it comes up from nope. under the... You don't need it right now. <laughs> I can't relate to that either. He asked to print it out right now. Anyway, so 100 years ago, Max loved like scary stuff, but not too scary. He was like 11, 10, 11. And he was out like, what, what, what were you watching at that point? Goosebumps, goosebumps and haunting hour and all that like pre horror like stuff. He's like, Mom, can you write something? for me that's spooky like for my age like mm-hmm. spooky but not too spooky but you know and so i had a writing partner at the time who i'll get to that later she's not here today she helped pull me out of a crazy like weird uh not writer's block but i was just like Ugh. i was doing this weird like i'm taking a break for years like kind of thing. Um, and she helped like, she helped kind of kickstart that 
back into she's she's i'm accountable to her let's just say that um and it's everything it's it's everything so anyway with her we would go on these like 40 mile bike rides and stuff like that because we both bike and um and just like start to like talk out this script and it it came about um we just started talking and of course i i use my life and max and scout were like beckett and um i just forgot Jack, 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 Jack and Beckett. They were, they were my two leads. Um, and so we went from there and wanted to do like kind of Goonies and a little stand by me and then still have scary and this other world stuff. So it just kept growing and growing, but it was because of him that I was like, Oh, we haven't seen a Goonies like thing. And we haven't seen something for this demographic in a long time. So it started as a screenplay. Mm. As a screenplay, it's so huge. Like if you, it's these other worlds, and it's massive, and it's and it's way beyond our like independent scope. Like that's something to sell for a lot of money. Hopefully, one day. Um, uh, but in the meantime, um, so we finished it and started. Uh, the only thing we can do without agents or power or you know famous relatives is send it to. Uh, screenplay festivals or uh, contests. And we got like crazy. We started like making this side gig. Like we got good money from a few of these festivals. It just, it got a lot of awards. Um, And we spent a year like just collecting money from festivals and nothing really kicked over with it. So we didn't want to leave it. And Colette, my writing partner, she's written books and she ghost writes for people. So she said, why don't you write a book and make it like a, what is it? Four quadrant. I don't know any of the special names. I don't know. It's like, it's something where you want to get all the monetary corners of a property. Okay. So it's like a comic show, uh, movie and books. So whatever it's some, there's some fancy industry name for it that I'll never know. Cause I'm a rube, whatever. Um, but I loved it because uh, as comfortable as I am with screenwriting, I had no idea. I flipped out really considering the book. I'm like, is this subjective? Is it objective? Am I writing in first person? Am I writing like omniscient? Like I, I really, she had to talk me through and she's, and a friend of hers said, why doesn't she just write it as the characters? And it kicked over something that I just fell in love with these characters in a whole new way. Cause I got to get inside them and like, and live in it. And it was, it was one of those, like some, uh, and I write for hire now these days for lifetime. Don't judge me. Um, it's a paycheck. (laughs) So, but I write for hire, but it was one of those things where like, truly like it was the most amazing writing experience that I've ever had. Like I was joyful writing these characters. Like I would finish chapters and I would get carried away. And I would like all the things you, you want to have happen would happen in writing this book just because I just fell in love with the story again. And it wasn't for, you know, I hope I can send my kids to college with this, or I hope I can, you know, there was nothing. It was, it just became purely about the story. Um, so that's why I love this book. And um, of course we hope that someone somewhere reads the book or something and says, this would make a great screenplay. And we could say, well, funny, you should say that. <laughs> you know, we have, 
you know, we have a show diary for it. We have the screenplay. We have all these things for it. And we're just waiting for some smart, you know, hopefully female exec to be like, chicks wrote this. This is this could be an amazing script directed by women. This is blah, blah, blah. And then just make everybody rich. So there you go. That comes through very strongly. Um, I said to my husband as I was reading it that it's very cinematic that I could that it's I said, this is this is a movie. It's a movie or it's a TV show um, because there's, you know, at the end, it's like, dun, 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 what right? next? Right, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. It's very, it's definitely, it's very visual. Um, Your mouth to God's ears because <laughs> that's, I mean, and that's what we, um, that's what we planned. Obviously we wanted it for a sequel and stuff like that. And uh, uh the, we have a show Bible. We have like a whole visual thing. We have every single thing set out. But I, I think like, I don't want to pick a favorite child, but the book was my most like, it was the, it was the purest, like kind of writer's experience that I could imagine. Um, I liked I, it. Huh? I liked it. And, you know, I asked you to, if we could read this in book club about it before I read it, I hadn't read it. So after I, that was really stupid. Why did I do that? I should have read it first. And then, oh my gosh, he's a horrible writer. Exactly. I mean, I knew you well enough as an actor to know the <laughs> work that you presented in class. <laughs> So I was thinking it would probably be along the same lines, but literally right after I reached out to you, I was like, dumbest move ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was really fun. And I thought it was, I was reading it going, this is like the Goonies. This is like the Goonies. And we oh, have another Goonies, right? Right. Yeah. I, Goonies. I mean, I feel I like, go ahead. Go I was ahead. almost thinking that, um, that we should have book clubbed it with like um, that you should have done it with like Island Georgia or like some of the younger Girl Scouts, like, you know, Adeline and somebody right. because hey, it's, maybe this, we it's this great like middle grade or YA um, genre story. And I would just so love to hear a kid's um, take on it because it really it's written for them. It's like about them and for them. And um, yeah. I think that would be fun. I love that. We have, um, so we like, we sent it out to our whole village and like me and Colette both just went wide with it. And all our friends, kids that read it, like they're our favorite, like our favorite reviews come from them. And, and a lot of them are like, what's next? And that like, that's the greatest thing to hear is like, well, where do they go now? And, and that, you know, some will, some will attach to this character or some will attach to that character. It's just, um, those are, those are our favorite ones are the kids. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to like, there's a librarian who I'm, who I'm courting right now, um, at the middle school who I'm trying to get in good with. And, and she's, she says she has to go through, she does have to go through a whole lot of stuff to get books in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm working on her as we speak. Kathy, what do you think about the book? I thought it was super fun. We don't generally read stuff like this. It was so off what we normally do. It was <laughs> we really don't. We read memoirs yeah, like for right. almost hundred percent of the time and self help. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. It was, it was fun. fun. It was super quick. And at, like at the end, I was like, "Oh, book two's coming." 
Like you could tell, right. like it was left open for something else. So make it happen. It was good. Yeah, it's worth I know, it. <laughs> I know. I know. We're trying to, we're trying to keep ignite book one so we can justify book two. Cause um, yeah, it's all self published. Oh, that was the other thing is, is when like the screenplay wasn't doing anything. We're like Colette's self published before. She's like, look, this doesn't, this costs us very little money to do. And it's something we can do ourselves. And it's another push. And in the end, it's another, whatever the word was, quadrant or whatever. So, um, but yeah, that was another reason that the book came about. And I'm so glad it did. Like, again, uh, you know, I just kind of trusted someone else, thank goodness. And uh, Forrest Gumped into book writing, but it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. I still don't know what I would do with a regular book, like writing a book. I read books all the time <laughs> and I can't get my head around myself writing. I'm so used to screenplay writing that it's hard to get around that subjective objective. Like what, who's my voice? What's my character? Like flipping but from that, but you did it. I think you did it by writing each chapter from the point of view of, of the character at the moment. That's, I liked that choice very much because then I got to know the character by how you wrote their voice and they were very different. And I love that um, digits was, uh, was deaf and they were signing and that that became something really important later. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. And, and that's something and that I love um, I, I've been reading um, just, I, it just so happens that the last two books that I read are both about, um, memoirs by disabled um, authors. And they really, there's a lot of talk in the disability community about how wrong most books and movies get it, that disability is always something like either to be overcome or else like, oh, the noble disabled person. And he was just one of the kids. And, um, and, and yet it also helped them signing became a benefit. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a detraction. It was a benefit because it helped get them out of some tight situations when they couldn't communicate otherwise. Um, right. So that was really, really well done. I fell in love with digits in the book. Like he, in the book, he really like, cause I had an idea of him in the screenplay of his heroic likeness. He had this, he was kind of the moral compass kind of of the group, but, and I knew that in the screenplay, but in the book, I really got to like his, his magnificence and his love for Beckett, like was both like, both of these things were, they got to really shine in the, in the book. Yeah. You can't, you can't, it's hard to show that in a screenplay to put that on paper is really difficult. Um, but it was all over everything in this book. Uh, I love digits and I love that you wrote Logan with numbers instead that of was Mateo, in you places. Mean. Yeah. Mateo. Yeah. Mateo. Mateo. Sorry. Logan is digits yes. brother, right? Yes. It's Mateo. Um, and I love that Mateo was just like out to lunch. That dude was out to lunch. And I kept going, this would be Bert Kreischer <laughs> in a crisis. <laughs> In his dyslexia, he would be spelling things with numbers instead of letters. And he'd be like, oh, wait, <laughs> what's going on? We're where? I, I, I love yeah. that character. Uh, I really enjoyed the book very, very much. Um, for those of you, here's, oh, here it is. Okay. I thought it had a great message. 
I liked the message of taking care of each other and really fighting hard for someone you love and persevering over adversity. I had a lot of great messages that I think are good for kids, especially this age. And I think what we don't have so much now is what they have in their world, which is this pack of kids that are like urban cousins, right? They're all like family with each other. And I don't think a lot of people experience that these days. There's not these wide open spaces and no television and you got to work together to get your basic needs met. And um, I liked that. I felt like as a child today, I could step into that world and feel like they were my friends. I feel like our generation, and, and this was something that went into the beginning of it, like Colette and I on these endless bike rides talking about stuff. We, we, you know, Max was 10, 11, and they were just moving into like his friends had phones and, you know, and it was phones and phones and internet. And there's a huge portion, uh, like our, our kids and their generation, I don't, it wasn't that, you know, get out of the house and I'll see you when the sun goes down. Like it wasn't that everybody on the street is going to play together and, and, you know, get into crazy mischief and then come home. Like it's this phone thing. And especially now everybody's even more isolated. Um, yeah. And I would love to I just, just tap back into that. And so that was a great use of, um, Oh God. And I went down the rabbit hole with EMPs and like, like if the power grid went out and all that, like that was, I got into prepper groups, you guys. <laughs> so gnarly it was like like i know how to like grow my own scooby like mushrooms and like how to survive on these wild plants like bananas and they're out there like it's strong y'all oh yeah it's big (laughs) yeah so um but that's how we decided to deal with that is because we didn't want to deal with any any anything in the electronic age we wanted to go back 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 and even back further than you know my childhood experience but bring that same like kind of gift of play and that was that was something about the first scene is them they're just playing kick the can which is so like throwback but then you see him kick it into a graveyard full of bones and skeletons and like dead electronics and and electronic scooters that are these like skeletal things along with actual bodies and this is their reality so it's a little you know we wanted to kind of the new normal is like the old west almost um, right so uh you know a, one good emp and we could knock right back there but um yeah we kind of wanted to bring back our our childhood that that community so what do you think was what was the most challenging part of writing this book um well it was actually it came up in the I mean, it's always for me, it's, it's juggling and consist- consistency. Like I am not Colette will, she doesn't have kids though. She gets up in the morning and she uses her smart time. She writes for two hours and then she does the rest of her day, like her gigs, her ghostwriting and stuff like that. After I can't really, I don't really schedule stuff like that. So it's been a struggle since college, finding a normal groove for writing. And usually it's, either a deadline, like the gigs for lifetime, I, we get in on time cause we're on their deadline. So Colette will write part of it and then kick it to me and we'll kick it back and forth. So that's kind of ingrained my own scripts. It's always been a struggle for consistency. And all I can do is I, I, I aim for 15 minutes a day. And this is from an old screenwriting teacher. 
I aim for 15 minutes a day. And then I'll usually, if I sit down for 15 minutes, I kick into like, I start going longer. So if I can get in 15 minutes a day, then I feel worthy. Otherwise I like start to like self hate, like, like you didn't make time for this. You didn't mm-hmm. like, I get caught up in 8 million different things, including jobs, but also like shopping and dinner and blah, blah, and pickups and stuff like that. So, um, it's, it's a schedule. It's consistency. I don't have let like normal writers. Right. Um, I'm just kind of real sporadic. So that was one thing, but in the rewrite, I had a friend of mine, um, Matthew Curry Holmes. I'm going to give him a shout out. He read, um, the, a draft of the book. No, he read a draft of the screenplay and he said, you know what you need to do. He's like, he's, you need to take it to the next level. He's all to let people know you're serious. You need to take out one of these characters. Like one of these characters needs to be sacrificed. I'm not going to, I don't want to spoiler alert if anybody's going to read this, but it was so hard for me because I had grown so attached to them to choose who it was. Right. And it was, it was re- like, literally you guys, I, I practiced with two different characters back and forth, draft after draft. And finally Colette's like, you just have to pick. And I was like, fine. And so, but that was like, literally it, it was, it cost me as an author. Like it cost me as a mother. Like it was, it was a very personal because they had all become my kids. Right. So that was one of, that was the hardest thing to struggle with. And, and after that, it's, I'm, I'm crazy proud of that and the screenplay. And, you know, after that, it was, it was all fine. Now, how, now that I did it and took that risk. Um, I'm glad it was, be- it was made better for it. He was, it was a great note. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was hard. That cost, that cost me. So I guess that was the hardest thing. I, I could see that. I mean, yeah. I knew it was coming. I was like, somebody's dying. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see it coming. You didn't? I did. I, I did was it. like, I was shocked when that happened. I was like, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> see, it doesn't happen in kids books. Yeah. Very often. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I yeah. think it was really good that you did, but I personally didn't anticipate that happening. I was like, there's no way. I Bless your heart. Yeah. I didn't have it for a long time. I had everybody mm-hmm. fine and it was fine. You know, someone maybe broke a leg or whatever. We, yeah. we could break a leg, but no, he said, if you want people to take you seriously, if you want to invest this hard and plus that kicked over the other characters reactions to that sets mm-hmm. up their behavior for the next, for the sequel, like how these people react to this is going to be, is going to affect the next book and the next, you know, the next chapter of their lives. So um, So speaking of sequel, have you started writing? No, I really haven't. I really haven't. I'm honestly, we're in. um, So I try and, I try and juggle a, a, for hire gig with a, love gig. And right now the, the personal gig is a horror script that we're trying to rewrite. Um, so I'm in the middle of a horror script. I'm not one of those writers that can flip between like my personal things. I can't flip between a horror and this adventure. It might come up, but honestly, I really, I I don't know how or where, but energy wise, I just want to keep pushing this one. Like I want this one as a movie. I want this one as a show. I want this one like and I was super close. And then, you know, there's always like pots on the fire, but I kind of want to put 
the energy into getting this one made. And then when a studio is going to pay me a bazillion dollars, like they're going to soon, um, <laughs> cause I'm putting it out there. Uh, then I'll sit down and, you know, and we'll, we'll do the second one or the third or the next season or whatever. But I really kind of want to point that energy at getting, getting this chapter out there. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. It's a little woo woo, but I, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. You, yeah. you want to put your energy behind this one instead of splitting your energy and, uh, and adding another book to the, and, you know, yeah. the truth of the matter is we're all limited. We only have so much bandwidth. And if your mom, uh, wife, work for hire, uh, writer, boot camp, author trying to push a book, realistically, how do you wrap your head around being okay with not jumping into something that you're not ready for? Is it you're not re- if you're not ready to do it, then you shouldn't. It's a, I mean, I, I, God knows I love these characters and I know them so well, have yeah. been through so many different versions of their story. Um, but I honestly, it's, and it's going to sound snotty, but maybe not. I, I want to get paid for that. Like I want to get paid to sit down and live in their world. Like right now, the scripts that are going on are either gigs for hire or the horror we can maybe sell to someone because they're looking for quick, easy shit. And this one is written as quick, easy shit. Right. Like, shutters always buying some kind of quick easy shit so we're trying to we're trying to make a paycheck and then see if someone will come across with this is the big money this is like the brass ring for me this book i think that your your work your world has already been built like you've already created the world's and you've already created the characters. And I mean, all three of us who've just blindly read it, walked out of it going, oh yeah, there's sequels. And we can all extrapolate like that. There's so many things that might happen and things that need to happen, whatever. So in in one sense, you don't even need to write it yet because it's a no brainer. It's like, of course it has to continue. You guys, I feel like that. First of all, I feel like all women should control the entire universe. Like we're 51% of the population. I don't know why we were not flipping everything, correcting the government. Like I, that's one thing. I'm just like, I'll lay awake at night and I'll be like, where's our fucking revolution? Like they're starting it in handmaids. I don't know why we can't just adopt that and fucking take to the streets. That's one thing. The second thing is I am not... I have a good idea. I have pretty good taste. Like I, I have pretty good taste, like in movies and books and blah, blah, blah. And I, with this written, I know it would make a shit ton of money for people like a shit ton of money. I want one preferably female executive to read it and be like, Oh, this is a, this is bank right here. This is a franchise. This is, these are books. These are movies or a show and sequels and et cetera, et cetera. Like this is, this has fat money written all over it. And I just need one believer, hopefully, you know, with a vagina to get in there and and see that. Like, I feel like it's very apparent and everybody who reads it says, oh, this is a movie. And I'm like, yeah. So where's that effing one executive? Well, I'll she hasn't found it yet. I mean, when did you publish it? Last year? Like, it's almost... No, this year. March. March. Yeah, March. this year. Yeah, it was yeah. not long ago because I 
Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's new yeah. yet. Yeah. Hasn't, uh, how have you promoted it it's in any way? Self, it's just self-promotion. Like we don't have, like if we have those connections or that big, like that big audience group, we would do it, but it's just me and Colette. Like, and, and she, God love her. She teaches a couple screenwriting classes and she literally assigns it to her classes. I'm going to be starting teaching a screenwriting class next month. I'm going to assign it to them. Like it's, it's our built in, like you have to read this and then we'll teach, you know, we'll give them learning based on it. It's not just self-promotion, but, um, but yeah, it's everywhere we can. Like, so, you know, it's just hoping and praying, but I mean, the older I get, you guys, the less bucks I give, like I'm, I'll ask anybody I've asked, you know, my friends from college who are now famous. And I've been like, look, yo, if you want some, like, I'll kick down a finder's fee. Like, I don't care. Like if you get this to the right person that gets it made, uh, you can gladly call yourself an associate producer or whatever the hell you want. Like I am, it doesn't cost me. I'm in my house in Burbank. Those are my connections. If you're not like, if you're an agent walking by and you say, Hey, I'm an agent. Well, maybe cross paths, but I'm not going to Hollywood parties. I'm not connected. I'm not any of these things. Everything I have done have been, has been through bootstraps and like self our own. We make our own movies or wrote my own scripts and blah, blah, blah. So I'll ask everybody, like I'll put it out there to everybody who knows anybody if you want some money, <laughs> you can take some money. If you get this to the next level, I have no problem including you in, in the money train. If you get this to the next level. And so that's where I'm at. I just put it out everywhere. Right. Well, I have a link to this on my, um, wife, OTP.com. So if anybody listening or watching wants to read it or pass it on to somebody who thinks, they might want to read it. You can go to my website and it's under the book club oh, tab. Paulson's going to yell at me. Sorry. And it goes, that's okay. And you can click the tab and it goes straight to Amazon so you can purchase the book. Um, about the women running the world, funny story, <laughs> nothing to do with your book. Isla Kreischer came out of her room last night and she went, did you know that you can make a baby from bone marrow and we no longer need men? <laughs> And I went, no, I had not heard this fact. Went, Look it up. We no longer even need the mom. And I, went, I think we might. I think I actually like them. So I think I need them for one or two things. Right? Not, not discussing that with you, but one or two things yeah. I kind of like them for. They not, pick not up toilet repair, but other Right. I was like, they pick up heavy things though. I can't pick up things. Like that. <laughs> Who's going to open jars like just yes, around the house. <laughs> so just so you know, that world is almost here. Oh my God. I'm narrow and we make babies all by ourselves. <laughs> I don't you, don't you just, I just want to, I just want to find like this underground railroad that is just <laughs> women and be like, first of all, cause we control the finances of the household. Like we, we are the ones we're the consumer. We, yeah. It's us. So, yeah. I mean, everything's connected to money. Yeah. So if we have our secret meetings in the underground and be like, <laughs> ladies, start with the spending, start with the purse strings, and then we'll work our way and it'll be a full revolution. I don't know. I think about it often. It's so funny that you say that. And then all of your characters, except for one, are male. I know. <laughs> They're I know. All boys. <laughs> I know. I know, but who saves their asses? It's Beckett. Okay, good point. <laughs> Beckett is the best shot. She's the one who saves yeah. their asses. She's the like the heart. The, she's the Geronimo of the group. 
Yeah. She's the <laughs> heart yeah. of the group. She's yeah. the heart. She is. I skin that cat differently. I let Bert think he's in charge of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're the boss. Totally. 100%. Absolutely. Whatever you say. And then I do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> right. There you go. Whatever there you go. Want. Yeah. And he's like, see? I do run this show. <laughs> My kingdom. Make it without me. <laughs> Look at the land I have created. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. Good job, honey. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see, ladies. Do you have any questions about the book? I have questions about your process writing with a partner. I just think it's so interesting to hear about how different writing partners work together. We have this weird, amazing symbiosis. So, okay, it's crazy. I'm just going to try and tell this long story short. I'm teaching a boot camp. She had lost, her husband had died. And she went down this rabbit hole for a year of just Amazon and wine and all the food and shut in and... She was already like ghostwriting some stuff and had written some successful plays and stuff like that. But she was, she was in a thing and out of nowhere, she's, she's meeting with this guy to direct a play of hers. His wife is in my boot camp. She's talking to him on the phone and he says to Colette, my writing partner, I'm on the phone with my wife. She's at boot camp right now. And Colette randomly, cause she's super impulsive. God bless her. She randomly goes, give me the phone. And she gets on the phone with my client who's in the boot camp. She said, what's this boot camp? I, tell me about the boot camp. And so randomly, she just shows up the next day. She is way out of shape. And of course, that's one of the days that I make them run a mile. And she hates running so much that she ran a mile. And I'm just there. Like, I'm like, you can walk it. You can like, you just got to go around this block one time and come back said you can walk it you can curse me you can do whatever it's great but we are going to get this this distance in and she ran it with this look on her face that i came back like to the backyard where we were to the other clients and i was like you guys i'm pretty sure the new girl wants to kill me <laughs> she's like and she hated me bona fide hated me for a good she says 3 weeks i think i i got in there sooner but anyway when she stopped hating me i saw that she was a writer and had like stuff behind her thing. And I had all these scripts in my like file cabinet that I wrote and then was done with. And I was, and I knew that they could go somewhere if I rewrote them and stuff like that. So when she stopped hating me, I said, listen, if you look at my scripts and help me rewrite them to make them effective and, you know, et cetera, and help me formulate these ideas, basically kick back into writing. Cause I had walked away, you guys, like with kids and stuff like that. I, and trying to make a living. I had walked away. Um, and if you do that for me, I'll get you in shape. And so it was like a trade. So we did. And what happened was, is we found that we really liked each other's voices and, and rhythm. And we got along so well and we, it was easy to say like, you're, you know, that's a stupid thing. You do this, go there. Like no problem. Like speaking personally. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is I am all character and dialogue and she is a structure queen. She'd be like, you can't have this here. This needs to happen on this page, blah, blah, blah. It was a perfect marriage, not just a personality because she's one of my best friends now. Like 
she is anti Coco to my kids. Like it's, it's, she's family, but writing wise and artistically, it was such a great marriage because she'll say, I, you know, I just wrote this book she'll be writing something. She'll say, this isn't funny at all. Make this funny and I'll make it funny. Or she'll say this dialogue sucks, make it better. And I will say, here's, here's all this, all this talking and all these characters make it work in a structure. And she'll like, boom, 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 boom. It's like, it just was the right partnership for the right time. So that's ultimately, that's what it was. She had these pieces of the puzzle and I had these pieces Mm -hmm. and it wasn't. So now what we do is we'll trade off. Like I'll write almost stream of consciousness, you guys, and I'll let the characters take me away and blah, blah, blah. And it'll have, I'll know where I'm going, but I don't hit the right beats. I'll kind of, I do what I call write through it. Like I'll write through stuff. Um, And sometimes my dialogue is too long and I'll repeat myself, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just send it to her when I hit a stall and she'll look at it and she'll go, this goes here, cut this, move this, blah, blah, blah. She's magic. Mm -hmm. And she'll send it back like all tightened up. And when I'm done pouting, I was like, well, I like that line. And I when I do my like arty farty whining and get over it, it's perfectly laid out. So she's a gift, like literally just a gift. Um, and that, and that got me into regular writing. And it's because of her that we do this lifetime gig. And we like, and my IMDB has these eight bazillion credits on it because of her like I wouldn't do that that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for her because because of her I can turn around stuff and work on a deadline before I was all like emotional about it like I don't feel it I'm not feeling it and I didn't feel it for like years so thank god she came around it's nice to have a partner it's nice to have someone you trust and um someone that you if you cannot take anything personally that is the key, I think, to any working relationship. If the if the point is to have the best product, then you can't take anything personally because then you know that other person just wants the best product too. Yeah. So then that ego can can go outside and hang out on the front porch while you're working on something, you know? Right. Ego is important. I think ego is, has a role in everybody's life in some capacity, but sometimes when you find a good partner, this is one of the ways Bert and I are really good partners when we talk about his work. Um, I don't write anything for him at all, ever. But right. I do go, this is in the wrong order. This needs to be here. That needs to be over there. Why do you say fuck 15 times in one sentence? Can you say it once and put an actual word in place of fuck, please? And then, so I don't write anything for him. But I'm that, I am Colette in that I'll say, this isn't working the way you have it structured. Right. Uh, so, and he never, ever has never taken it personally. Ever. Yeah. And so then you go, well, that is someone who just wants the best product. Um, totally. And I mean, and God bless her every, like, I think we're close enough. It's one, again, one of those perfect timing, perfect person things where, like every now and then we'll get butt hurt. Like I'll be like, Oh, that, that line was so good. Why are we cutting that line? She'll be like, this is, this isn't in the right place. Why do you keep moving this? Like it, we'll have our little hissy fits, but we all come back. It's usually when we do actual phone calls instead of texts, like an actual phone call is because one of us is pissy about something or there's just too much to digest. But yeah. Um, but again, she's, she, 
it's accountability. Like that's a huge thing too. Like if I'm accountable to her, like that's also the reason why I'm in business still since 2008 with the boot camp. Right. Like I'm I'm good at what I do, but there's a million people out there who live it. Like this is their they they eat, sleep, and breathe fitness. Yeah. Me. Like I got a whole other world going on. This is um, I'm good, but it's I I'm in business still because people are accountable. Right. Like I'm their accountability person to right. stay fit and keep exercising and blah blah blah. But that and that was this for me with writing. She was my accountability person. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. that's a huge piece of it to have a deadline, especially for artistic types. You know, that artistic brain need needs a deadline, you know, Bert, uh, I'm shooting a special November 20th. How do I back into that date? Until he has that date, he doesn't he he always delivers a good show, but he doesn't put the crafting work in until he knows, knows. it's uh, this date. The rest of the time it's just open and free-flowing and fun and everybody enjoys it. It's not that it's not enjoyable, but it's very different to be at a live show than to watch something on Netflix. Those totally. are two different things. So if you don't have it structured right, people will turn it off. Whereas right. if you go to a live show and you've paid 35 bucks and you've bought two drinks, you're not leaving. Right. You're in. <laughs> you're going to You step- better entertain my ass. Exactly. <laughs> and that you have to, when a live show, you have to build in rest. So you, you don't, you don't want, any rest on something that's filmed. Right, so right. The structure totally changes. But if he didn't have that deadline of filming that, uh, he would just keep the ebb and the flow and the rest and the whatever and the improv and the right. which is really fun too, but but different. Anyway, that's a completely different tangent. Um, Kathy, do you have any questions for Brooke? No, I'm like the non-writer in this group. Like that makes me so stressed. I would never, ever want to do that, put pen to paper. Um, So I'm just sitting here enjoying. Um, I have to say what I really liked about the book, I love how you wrote in each character and how like you saw a different perspective, but that sort of edged the story along each chapter. Um, That was probably one of my favorite parts of the book um, or of the structure, I guess. I don't know. Um, Again, I don't know shit about writing, so... No, that's, that's excellent. And thank goodness. I feel like, thank goodness we had the screenplay already. Cause I knew where, what was going to happen. And again, Colette with her structure, she'd be like, you're, you're going to tackle, you know, a Logan chapter, but in his chapter, he has to get the kids from A to B to C. Right. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd go at it. And she'd be like, yeah, but we're not there yet. Like, or just, again, it was a, a way that that, partnership works so well with, um, helping me keep my eyes on the prize. Like I, I get, I can procrastinate you guys. Oh my God. There's the, I, I just this year left ish Facebook. Like <laughs> I have gotten into some fights. I have lost friends. I have been stalked. I have like, it finally took, and my God bless my husband. He's in the background just going like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Like, why, why are you reading the comments? Why, why are you saying that is because Facebook would distract you? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everything will distract oh, yeah. me. I have fucking OCD, you guys. You want to know about the pine needles from the wind on the front of my house and how oh. it's basically if you know someone with OCD and you want to drive them insane, 
just blow a bunch of pine needles up into their rose bushes or whatever. And That's not true. I live with someone with OCD and he is the dirtiest man on the planet. Oh, I have a different, I have a, so it's not, okay. I, that's so it bad. It's about rituals. Yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not the light switch kind of like repetition. Yeah, you know. OCD. Mine is like, mine is, you think that <laughs> throwing the pillows on the ground when you go to bed, when I get up in the morning and walk out through the living room, you, you believe that it's a choice for me to walk past those pillows or not. And it is not a choice. Like it is, those, those pillows will keep me up. Like it's, it's weird shit like that. Like my husband will put stuff up on a top shelf and I will have to go through heaven and earth to get it down. Cause it doesn't go there. And he's just torturing me. Like it's a weird. Anyway. just saying i i can procrastinate and it's usually like cleaning like oh look i'm gonna go through i'm gonna get all the dust bunnies out of this power strip like what right i i should be writing so thank god for colette and you know paying gigs and stuff like that where i have to power through right you have to sit down and focus yeah yeah i hear you i just enrolled in a creative writing class at ucla extension i haven't written anything in years and years and years and years for the same reason, because I don't have time and I needed accountability. Totally. And it's so amazing. It's such an amazing, I've been to a lot of writing classes, like for the same thing. Like, I don't know that structurally they're giving me any new information. I went to college for this. Like I have all the information in there. It's Mm -hmm. just, I need you to say, you're going to get to this page by this time. Go like, then I'm good at homework. I'm just not great at self policing. Yeah. I, I, I feel that, that way too. I feel like if it's wide open and have no parameters, it never happens. If I, I ha- think that's amazing. I think, yay. <laughs> yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, I've really, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I, I haven't written in so long and to have each week, this is about creative writing and about, um, Creative, it's called um, uh, narrative nonfiction. So it's mm-hmm. all about things that actually happen in your life. So they all have to be fact-based, right? right. Something that actually happened, but it has to be told creatively, like you're writing a non I mean, write, like you're writing a fiction. So every week we have a prompt or a focus. Like one week the focus was the scene, what's right. going on around you. One week the focus was um, dialogue. And so that challenge has been really uh, great for me because I go, oh, I got this. And they don't tell you what to write about, just that the focus has to be scene or dialogue or descriptions or um, rhythm or whatever. And I've just really enjoyed sitting down and using that muscle again and writing only 750 words. That's all I can turn in. Right. Is not that much. I mean, I find myself writing like a thousand words before I even realize I've started writing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's been really great. So it's so, it's so huge. It is huge. I've been meaning to write down stories from my life for years Mm -hmm. growing up in rural Georgia. I have a ton of, you know, interesting. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I was going to say just from knowing you and talking to you, hearing you tell in your voice through your lens stories from growing up. Yeah. It's, um, I would live there so quickly. Like I love your voice and you telling this stuff. Well, thank you. Well, 
really fun. I really like it. But that accountability is everything. So I wonder, not everybody listening to this is a writer or wants to be a writer. Some of them are Kathy Frompkins who are terrified of pen to paper. <laughs> I get it. So how does one apply that to what you want to do, right? How do well, you find accountability for working out, for building your house, for getting a new job? You know what I mean? How do you do that? I don't know. I do, I do know. I, I don't know. I, 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 it could be fine. Some, I mean, Colette and I started our own podcast about writing and it, it's called what Midlife Mutiny. It's called Midlife Mutiny. Midlife Mutiny. Okay. Yes. And it's about, it's about not waiting for permission. Like, cause we've done movies on our own. We've done books and screenplays and all this stuff on our own. We got the lifetime gig on our own, all of this without agents, without one single like nepotism connection, nothing. So, but it's, it's about not waiting for permission anymore. So in the podcast, it's, it's, it's pretty much writing based, but we talk about like how you approach this, how you work for hire, how you blah, 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 how you pull the bandaid off an idea and just start writing about that idea. But I think that it can be applied to. To life. To, to life. Like a lot of it is just. Why not? Like, why, what are you waiting for? Like, why not? And if you, if you don't know anything about like my husband couldn't <laughs> fix the toilet and he built a house right. and it was only through sheer like stubbornness and, and will like he he's, He's on video and he's asking people and he's learning through like doing it's, it's, I think it can be applied to anything if people stop waiting for permission. And that's the theme of the, of the podcast is um, stop asking for permission is, and especially women, like do whatever the fuck you want. Like so you want a question for me, how do you pull a bandaid off a creative idea? I say, start, start writing about it about it. Like if like I had, um, I had a script, this script that I'm writing now was based on one image. Like the first image that I had when I was just riding, riding my bike. And so that image sparked, I was like, Oh, this is going to be the first scene. And then from that, a whole script was born, but mm. it's kind of just diving in. Like there's something about let's say a childhood experience that happened to you. And there's something emotional that keeps it in your head. So there's something that if you can start writing about it, or you can film a scene about it, like if you're a director or, you know, or if you're a cinematographer, if you can film an image from it, there's something that's going to tap into the emotional connection. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep kind of gross analogy, but picking that scab until, you know, until you tap into that right. is what I think. I think just keep poking it and stop, stop worrying about what other people think, really. Well, that, and I think too, just starting. Yeah. And, start. and again, the accountability, like tell, F it, announce it, you know, announce it to all your friends. Say, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like, let's say, if you say I'm going to quit smoking and then all your friends see you still smoking, you're going to feel like an ass. So right. just be accountable. Like if, if you say, I'm going to write this short story, can you all 
just ask me about it next week. And then next week they say, how's the short story going? And then you're going to feel kind of stupid because you're there with a cigarette in your mouth or, you know what I'm saying? Like you haven't started. So you put your friend who has an accountability group, um, her, her group, they all have different goals. One um, wanted to be a professional um, chef. One wanted to be a professional comic and like all very different realms. And they met once a week as an accountability group because they knew that they weren't going to find they, what they had together was special, a special friendship. And they all really wanted, they had a lot of ambition and they all really had a lot of drive, but they couldn't really harness that. So they met once a week and just helped each other say, okay, well, your goal for next week is you've got to reach out to this person and you've got to, you know, or do that writing or whatever it was. And um, they all, really went on to do some really cool things. Um, I think that's brilliant. I, I love that idea. I've yeah. always wanted like an accountability group. Where's my accountability group? I, th- I think it's brilliant. And I feel like, especially with parents, you guys, like there's so much to do and so much like emotional availability and so much like so much that takes from us that there's within every parent, there's two to three dreams or little nuggets of things that they've kind of put on the back burner. And I feel like it could be anything. It could be like, I want to repaint, you know, the back bedroom, like whatever. If there's a group of people and someone's going to show up next week and be like, how's the bedroom? And you're going to be like, nothing. Or you could be like, I did the moldings. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? It's every parenting is so hard. It's so hard, especially right now. Everybody's home and up in each other's business. So I feel like anything that you can grab as, as your own individual self, like any nugget of there's something in there that's itching to, for you to explore, tell people, tell people, you don't have to go to bed with it. It's not a secret. Like, just be like, I want to fucking belly dance you guys. And next week you ask me about what I learned online about belly dancing. And I will show you what I learned. Like, I don't know. It's so, after I've gone to Brooks, book, <laughs> book, it's, it's my belly in shape so that you want to see it. Dance. I'm just saying it's so easy for us to put that stuff aside. And totally. You know, I went to this other acting school, not with Brooke, where we had to have admin meetings. So once a week, uh, we were separated into groups of like five or six people and we had to go to admin. And in admin, you would say, this is what I'm doing for my acting career. I'm writing my own project. I'm sending out headshots in the day when you just call mail headshots out. Um, I'm calling this friend who just got cast in this job to see if they can get me on as an extra or whatever. And you had to, to say to the group what you were going to do that week and what happened from the past week. And people would remember and like take notes on your stuff and then ask you about it the next week. It was, you know what? It's so it's effective. It sounds it, it sounds very Scientology. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna guess the class that you were in, but I'm pretty sure I did. A, I did a little round in that same class. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's admin, but admin was really helpful because I thought, well, can't you do admin for yourself? Can't you just say, all right, Monday morning, I'm sitting down with my pad and paper and going, here's what I got to right. do this week, and just yeah, do that. But it's it's easier and better, I think, sometimes if you have another person that you're like totally. Totally. What happened? So you're working on a horror script. Yes. 
The last script I wrote uh-huh. was horror. I did not want to write it. And it, I, because I live with that yeah. stuff. I live with it. I could not sleep. I could not deal with it. And I ended up quitting in the middle of the job and giving the money back to my partner. I No, I, I don't know that. I don't think I did give my money back. I think she told me I could uh, keep it. No, I don't think I paid her back. But I was like, I can't do it. I cannot some, do this project. Some people can't. It's 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 a specific kind of talent to be able to dredge up like and that's what I'm saying that image was so horrible and you guys I have this whole secret life like all my anxiety I deal with all my anxiety through exercise so I'm on the bike path like I'm either biking or running 24/7 because otherwise I would kill people like literally so but all my all my escapes are um with podcasts and I'll listen to true crime and it's the most horrific, like gruesome stuff that you could imagine. And I'll listen and it's fantastic. And I'll get caught up in these crimes and, and whatever. And then I come home and I unplug and I kiss my kids and I'm a mom again. Like it's really this weird double life, but I am, I'm okay with writing the most heinous of stuff and being totally separate from it. Like I love true crime podcasts. Yeah. Did Kathy, you like, do, you like, yeah. do you like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's been the best ones you've listened to? Anybody? I love Case File. I was just Australian say guy. that. That's yeah. one of my favorite. He has the best voice ever. Right? And it's, he's just, he's just the facts. Like too many, yeah. like I will pass by and, and there's, and I love, I'm, I'm glad for their success and their females and whatever, but too many people, I don't want you to audition on this. I want the crime and I want the details. I don't want your funny jokes. Like I'll listen to a funny podcast. If I want your funny jokes, I want my crime straight up. I want the facts. I want the story. And if you can do it in a lovely Australian accent, as we go along our, (laughs) I love him. He's just, he's straight. I haven't heard that one. I haven't, I have been, believe it or not, I've been off the podcast circuit for months. I haven't listened to any for a long, literally a long time. To the Me fact- too. It's been I'm quarantine. Like, it's funny. This I is the only funny. one I've listened to during quarantine. Is it really? Oh, yeah. It's because I don't drive anywhere anymore. Yeah. I always uh, mine is all, exactly. mine's all dog walks and bike rides. Like it's yeah, all, okay. it's all, that's, and that's my little escape. Like nobody yeah, knows that yeah. that's how I go calm down. That's so ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. It's a little demented. Like, I'm going to go chill out to this murdery murder thing. Like, no, but but what is it about that? Because, you know, I just heard something. I don't even remember where I heard it, but it was a statistic saying that a majority of the people listening to true crime podcasts are women. So why are women as a demographic are uh, more interested in true crime? I think for me, there's a couple of reasons. I've, for me, I feel like, for one, it's so horrific that it puts my life in perspective. It makes me, it gives me some perspective on like, oh, I got to go into an IEP meeting. Not the end of the world. <laughs> you know? Both arms. I'm At good. Least my head is attached to my body. <laughs> yeah. And there's that. But then the other thing is that I think also as a parent, I feel like I'm constantly solving mysteries. Like, so, you know, we're getting to a diagnosis of something. We're figuring out the learning styles. 
we're, you know, I'm sleuthing out a better specialist to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a sleuth. Is in that, that weed? Is that weed? Is that part of your sleuth? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> your parenting <laughs> sleuthing. <laughs> What's going on? Is yeah, well, maybe, oh, maybe yeah. that will be someday. <laughs> but yeah, it's, there's just so much sleuthing that goes on. So it's kind of like a detective story or a putting together the pieces of a crime is appealing because it sort of speaks to that part of my brain where I'm like, okay, putting the clues together. I don't know. I know, I know mine. What's yours? Mine. And I know this because of what I've gone through with the podcast and what I stick with and what I don't, I stick with the ones that have an ending and a resolution. I feel like for me, there's so much like that's unresolved and we don't, you don't go through a day and, do things that have a beginning, middle, and end. That's very rare <laughs> in daily life. Yeah, yeah. So if I can compact in an hour uh, a narrative that is a story that I can get caught up in that has a beginning, middle, and an end, and justice usually at the end. Oh, is case perpetrator. files justice? Is case files that? Case files has an end. Like there's some like sometimes I listen to Generation Y. And those dudes are chill and everything, except they'll have a lot of unsolved cases. And those make me kind of bananas because those stay with me. Like, I'm like, well, what happened to her? Like, what, why are, like, those will itch at me. Right. Case file, he, he, they're usually resolved. Right. He usually isn't like, and we don't know where they are today. Like, that makes me bananas. Right. So I know that for me, I'm listening to ones that are beginning, middle, and end, and they're usually resolved. Right. Um, So Kathy, why do you think you listen to true crime? I don't know why I listen to, but interestingly, I had a conversation with somebody this weekend who uh, their senior in high school, now in college daughter, did um, a research project on this very subject and why all of that age group was sort of listening to true crime. And she discovered it was sort of fear-based, like they were trying to gain this knowledge to feel more control over their lives and being out in the world, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, I don't know how accurate it is. It is this, you know, senior thesis that they did in high school, but it was really interesting that that was sort of the conclusion that she came to. So that is a fascinating perspective. huh? Yeah. I don't know. I could see that. Well, Segue into sort of a not off topic, but sort of not. Georgia had her first fender bender yesterday. <gasps> oh, no. Bummer. Trying to get it done. You know, she got her car like six weeks ago. So, yeah, got to get it done. But she, um, we had told her before she got her car, you know, if you ever have an accident, no matter whose fault it is, if your car is drivable and you're not injured and everything's safe, Pull over to a safe place like a parking lot or side of the road, somewhere safe, out of traffic. Put on your hazards and make sure you share your information, your driver's license and your insurance, and get that from the other driver. Take a picture of the car, of the license plate, of the insurance card, anything like that. So she calls me yesterday and goes, "Um, I had a fender bender. I was like, what happened? She was stopped at a red light waiting to turn right. And someone pulled out of the 7-Eleven parking lot and hit her. She was stopped at the red light. So the 60-some-year-old white guy gets out of his car and starts screaming at her. 
screaming. And she's like, this was not my fault. I was stopped at a red light. You hit me. She did everything I'd asked to, there are hazards on and everything. This was in front of a 7-Eleven, which is next to a laundromat. It's at it's right around the corner from my house. If those of you who live in my neighborhood probably know exactly where it is. It's like two blocks up. Uh-huh. So this uh, African-American guy comes running out of the laundromat and gets between Georgia and the white guy and says to the white guy, this is a 16-year-old kid. This is her first accident. You need to stop yelling at her. You need to back up and you need to have an appropriate distance from her and you need to treat her like she's 16 years old and stop acting like an asshole. And did I you hear like, that? Did the guy just yes. die? He did. He stopped. He shut up. And Georgia was then able to say, here's my license and my insurance and got his. And this fella just kind of intervened and then went back in the laundromat. And I went back and tried to find him and he was gone. So Bless his heart I was like, thank you. But Georgia was like, you see that kind of stuff on criminal minds. You know, he was backing me into my car. This white guy was just backing me up and I was about to have to sit down in my car. And I, the whole thing, time I was thinking, this is the way this happens on criminal minds. He's going to oh put the car. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. Thank God for this guy who came to your rescue because her brain had stopped functioning because she's watched too many episodes. Oh, right. I <laughs> think she's getting abducted in this fender bender. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, I thought it was funny that that's where her brain went. This was just like criminal minds. I was about to be abducted. But thank God for that guy. I don't know. I'm sure he does not listen to my podcast, but to the world, thank yeah. you for a kind citizen who was just minding his own business watching what was going down and was a helper to help her because I feel confident in the middle of the street, nothing would have happened to her bad, but it's terrifying to have your first fender bender. That's not your fault and have some adult man yelling at you in the middle of the street. It's terrifying. It's so inappropriate. So inappropriate, but she was fine. She wasn't very shaken up. She was very grateful for this fella. Good girl. So thank you, God, and whoever was watching over her and sent that little guy. Because I literally yeah. went back. I was like, I got a Starbucks gift card. I was going to give him a gift card. Be like, thank you so much. And then he was gone. So right. I was really bummed. But um, but yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> oh my God. It's like an episode of Criminal Minds. Well, Max is never, yeah. it's never going to happen to me because Max is never going to finish his driving course. He, <laughs> he, could, he could not. I mean, for me. My license, like I started driving like illegally at like 12 and 13. So oh, I'm a different, uh, yeah, I'm a different person, but he, he could care less. He's like, mm, yeah, mm, I could just get a ride from you or <laughs> play music or something else. I was like, I don't understand. I at don't some understand. point I'll have a girlfriend that drives and then it won't matter then either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't get it. Anyway, so. Yeah. Sort of off topic, but that's my daughter's first thought was. I'm glad she's okay, and I'm glad she met a great citizen. Yeah, I was very yeah. grateful for that great citizen, too, because yeah, cool. Not cool. You know, there's part of your brain as a parent where you go, that's super scary, and I wish that had never happened. And there's part of my brain that goes, what an amazing thing for her to experience. Mm-hmm. That some random citizen, that good people exist, and bad right. people exist. She had it all in one moment. One really nasty, bad person and one really amazing, great stranger. And that's how the world works. 
And what an amazing thing for her to have to go through where it broke her taillight. You know, it broke her taillight, it scratched her bumper. It's not, uh, not the car. Obviously, she drove it home. There's nothing really bad. Not that you want your kids to go through anything like that, but it really was not a big deal. And, I thought, and it's out of the way. I feel like as soon as you get your license, you should just shove a shopping cart into your car and be like, there, <laughs> done. That's so funny. That's what someone <laughs> told me yesterday when I told them that she had a fender bitter. And he said, my mom always said, well, now you can drive like you really want to drive. There you go. It's out of the way like this. Like, oh, I don't want to scratch the car. <laughs> yeah. It's done. Just rip off the Band-Aid. Yeah. And now you're just like, whatever. I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, let's wrap this up, ladies. How do we wrap it up? Buy the book. Mm-hmm. Get the book and talk to all your giant producer friends because <laughs> if you are uh, instrumental in getting it to the next level, you will be compensated. <laughs> you will be compensated. I'm putting it out there on on Leanne's airwaves. Well, I think that if you give it to your young adult kid, they oh, yeah. love it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, more than me getting paid, whatever. Uh the, uh, kids, kids, kids. Um, if you if you read it and like it, if you could leave us a review, those count for a lot on Amazon. And we really, really are interested in what the kids have to say. Like, I would love to say just my kids loved it and that's enough. But I love every review I get from kids because they have such an amazing, like unfiltered perspective that it's 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 brilliant. It's brilliant. And the way you described this when we were just starting the podcast, this was really sounded like this was really a labor of love for you, that you really loved it. And it's always nice to hear feedback when you've put your heart into something that you really love and you're proud of. So um, I don't I mean, I don't have a problem with negative feedback if it's constructive, but I don't see any point in leaving anything negative. If you didn't like the book, then don't like it. But if oh, you I know. liked it, say say you liked it because well, no, some people some people make that their job. Like we did a movie, quality yeah. problems. Yeah, we did a movie, and it's it's like literally a labor of love about a family and breast cancer. Like there's no real controversy in it. There's not there's nothing, and we've had people be like, "This movie's bullshit." Well, I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, I get it too on this podcast. She needs to stop being a hanger on. She's just a hanger on. And I'm like, a hanger on to who? What? So what are you talking? There's my arms in my chair. Yeah. <laughs> Get me through this podcast. I just me. Like- I, but people literally make a career. But that was part of getting off Facebook. It was like, do not read the comments. Do not read the comments. Do not read the comments. Get off of Facebook. I tell you guys, my anxiety is like down, way down. It's bad for the person who's writing the negative stuff. If their only intention is to be negative, what they don't realize is it's really bad for their own heart and soul. It's really bad. It I just know. negativity. So I don't know. Leave a good review if you have something good to say, because yeah. I like positivity. Feed off the positivity. And I don't think I think it would be really hard to get a bad review. I thought it was oh. really good. I thought it was easy to read. It was very fast read. Right. I thought it was interesting in that each chapter was each character's voice. I thought it was a creative way to tell a story. It was a world we'd never seen. It reminded me of Goonies. I mean, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. That there's nothing. It was. I, it was really fun. The only thing bad is that I'm not 11. <laughs> so for me, I was like, I totally get how an 11 year old would love this right. book. Oh yeah, we're very proud of it. We're very proud of it. Well, thank you for talking to us, ladies. Do you have anything you'd like to say? 
Congrats. Like you did it. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's true. Congrats. Thank you guys for letting me blather at you and for reading it. That's huge. And I and I do I do believe that it's very palatable. It's an easy, it quick read. It's not like you it's know. not too scary. It's not, you know, it's just scary enough. Right. It's right. Great. I thought you did a great job. I'm so, so proud of you and happy for you, Brooke. Oh, well, ditto. I, I love seeing you on my, on my screen when I can tune in. It's <laughs> awesome. It's like a little, it's like a home cooked meal. My hanger on gig. It's my hanger on gig. Yeah. Yeah. You hang on. What? Yeah. Cause, cause podcasts are, are, are launching us into the stratosphere of fame and fortune. Right. Oh, you mean my zero sponsorships? Yes. Zero sponsorships. Because my self-published book is just, (laughs) I don't have time for you. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kathy and Kirsten. Thank you guys for reading. Thank you guys. For discussing. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brooke, for coming on. And uh, thank you, everybody else who's maybe read the book already and listened to the podcast. And if you haven't, give it a read. It'll be fun. I promise. Yes. Last bookstore on uh, Amazon. Yes. And there's a link on my website under the book club tab. So if you forget everything about it, you can just go to wifeotp.com, click on the book club tab, and there's a link that sends you straight to Amazon. So go get it. Very proud of you. All right. Proud of you too. We'll talk again soon. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. It was nice meeting you. Bye. Bye.